Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, and praise the Lord. God is good. You know, singing that song, Glorify Thy Name. We were created actually created with God's intent to glorify Himself through you and the way you are and the way He created you to be with your personality, with your quirks. Can God glorify Himself through your quirks? Can He glorify Himself through your shortcomings as a person? Or do you have to wait until you reach some level of you know, ascension before he can glorify himself through you. No, he, he chooses to glorify you right how he created you to be. And what he doesn't like about you, which I'm not sure is anything, but, you know, let's say there are things that, that get under his skin. He'll change them. He'll change you to become more and more and more into the likeness of Christ. Jesus. Amen. I'd like to open it up for a couple of testimonies. If anybody has a testimony this morning they'd like to share, Lord working in your life, yes. I do have one. This last week, I went and I had to have some of those tests, the MRI and a CAT scan, <clears throat> excuse me. And when I went in there, I'm claustrophobic, <laughs> maybe exceptional. They told me that I might be on the top of their list <laughs> for being claustrophobic. And anyway, this guy was so nice. I appreciated him so much. I actually went to one here in the valley. <clears throat> Sorry. The woman was pushy and she didn't accept a no, and I said, no. And I got up and I walked out. So I didn't, I didn't do that, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and so I went there, and this guy was so kind, and I still wasn't gonna do it. <laughs> and then he told me, he said, well, maybe you'll just take a little dry run. Okay, so I said, well, maybe. He said, you'll have to lay your head in that mask, and then I'll cover it up. I said. No, <laughs> I wasn't going to do that. And so he talked to me and he said, well, maybe you can make another appointment and come back and I'll give you a little drugs. I said, I don't want a little drugs. <laughs> and so anyway, but we talked and you know what I said, he said, well, let me make you another appointment. And I said, no, I said, I'll do it. Never would I have said that before, but no, I will do it. And I said, I will try. And so I got up in there and I laid my head in that thing. It was thick. It was like this big, have you ever done that? Have you ever, this big, thick mask they put over your face? <gasps> That's not something I want to do. Anyway, <laughs> I said I would do it. So I laid down and I let him put that thing over my face. And it didn't kill me. <laughs> I made it. And, and so then he would, he was, again, I'll tell you, he was so kind. And 
So he gave me these things. He says, going to be two minutes, going to be three minutes, going to be ten minutes, a couple, three times maybe. But anyway, he said, I laid so still that it only took him half the time to do several of them anyway. But that was for me a victory. I have, I have been to those things and I have walked out because I haven't been able to do it because I just couldn't. And to walk out of there and he said, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, you want to know why I did it? And he said, yeah, I'd like to know. I said, it was because you were so kind. You were so kind. You didn't push me. You didn't make me. You wasn't going to make me do that. He even gave me this little thing to squeeze. He said, if at any time I want out of there, to squeeze that and he'll get me out as fast as he can. But God was so sweet to me. That was such a sweet thing for him to do because I actually laid in there that full time and I wasn't afraid. And I praised God. He gave me. Two victories. I had two of those tests that day. Two very kind people. And so I am grateful and I am thankful for that because you never know what your kindness will do. Never know. You know, wrath, an an unkind spirit, wrath, you know, turns people away. But just a kind spirit, I thought, I can do that. And I did. (laughs) And, And what's the outcome? the outcome is normal. They said everything was normal. I thought it was going to be terrible, and they said everything was normal. You know why? You had a normal brain. You, you can't be married to this guy without you being normal. Right. <laughs> I think that's true. I wish to ask the forgiveness of this brother over here on the right-hand side. We were coming across Park Highway. Tyler? Yes. Anyway, we were coming across the Parks Highway, and I cut him off. Big time. He got me back at the other red light. But there was a guy in front of us who was doing two miles an hour. And God said, uh, Carol said, he's going to go to our church. I said, so what? So I ask your forgiveness. I'm not going to apologize because I'll do it again. Uh, that's great. I love the idea of people cutting each other off to get to church. <laughs> it was either in May or June. I went to bed one night, and the next morning I woke up, and I couldn't really walk correctly anymore with my right leg. I think I told you guys. And uh, it was because I couldn't lift my big toe, and it's kind of amazing your big toe causes your foot to go forward. And I had to lift my heel and swing my foot forward. And that was the beginning of a lot of MRIs and CAT scans and different things. And that's when they found that uh, abdominal aortic aneurysm. And then that was fixed. And I just want to say I can uh, like raise my right big toe now. Not as high as my left big toe, but I I am walking normally again. So thank you, Lord. Amen. 
Well, it's good to have the Bergerons back with us. You know, they went to Hawaii and were gone, and then they got back and did, just made it one week, and then the weather set them off. But it's nice to have you here this morning. And, and Bob, because he's been busy with his business, but um, it's good to have you here. I like seeing you there. Missed you. Amen. We're going to take the offering at this time. We believe that the giving of our tithes and offering is, a, is an act of worship, but it also releases something in your life that God wants to release. God loves to release his blessings over you. Now, let me explain something real quickly here. Tithing does not give you a, a, an upper, upper edge with God. You know, he does not require it. It's not required for your, your heavenly position. Um, but what it does is it releases something in the spiritual realm to you. And he says, even says that, he says, um, test me in this and, and, and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. It's just all aspects of life there. It's not defined as one thing or two things. Um, And uh, I just want to see that in everybody's life. That, and that, that's why when he talks about giving, he says freely, you know, give from a free place. You know, if it's a constraint, if it's something you don't have faith for, it's not a requirement with God. But it's, there's something there. Even, even in the world, I remember I read a, a Tony Robbins book on mind you know, the power of the mind. And uh, he says he practices tithing. And I was like, well, okay, I want to see this. I want to read about this. He says because it releases something and it says to the universe. I thought that was an interesting concept. He has said it says something to the universe that says I have more than enough. And when I give then, it opens up to where I receive even more than what I already had enough of. Powerful principle of God that operates. Amen? Lord, we just thank you for blessing our lives and uh, every aspect of our lives. And uh, we just want to honor you this morning as we give back in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, come up. I, just, uh, I became a member of AARP. <laughs> and there's an article that says generosity releases endorphins in your life and it actually makes you healthier and it will extend your life. Yeah. <laughs> and that's from AARP, which doesn't, I don't think they talk much about Jesus. <laughs> the scripture says the liberal soul shall be made fat. Amen. Amen. Uh, do we have any announcements to be made? There is a women's Bible study Saturday here at 10, and it's uh, the first five books 
of the Gospel of John. So, ladies, first five chapters. Go ahead and catch up on your reading, and then come to that. You'll be blessed. With that, we'll dismiss the children for Sunday school. We uh, kind of began this year with uh, a word from the Lord that yes. talked about us having our eyes set on yes. the, the future. Um, and uh, that's sort of been the theme. And Vic last two weeks spoke on uh, family forward. You know, a part of that future, a part of your future is the family of God, the, the body of Christ, the church. We have, were created to glorify Him, and one of the ways we do that is by building relationships with one another in His church. He designed His church for that purpose, so that His people would have a place to gather, to form relationship. And... Um, the church is not about a building. It's nice to have a building. At one time, we didn't have a building. At one time, we had a building, and then at one time, we didn't have a building. We had a building, and we met in it, I think, one time or maybe twice, and it burnt to the ground. Gone in two hours. This place just went to the ground. Nothing but ashes. I just saw the article they put in the newspaper uh, about that the other day. I was making an attempt once again to straighten out my office. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, there was that uh, newspaper article about, uh, at the time, the editor of the newspaper lived next door. And so he saw the whole fire, he saw everything happen, and he, he wrote this wonderful article about us as a people. That first Sunday, we went ahead and gathered here, even though there was nothing but ashes. And he titled his um, article, uh, Beauty for Ashes, or Out of the Ashes Beauty. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he got that quote because he quoted Dick Stoffel. Uh, they interviewed uh, us all, but they decided to quote Dick Stoffel. Yeah. Richard, sorry. Richard Stoffel, saying, because he makes statements, you know, I kind of philosophize different things. He makes statements. His statement was, well, the devil did it, <laughs> but God's going to use it for good, you know, so. <clears throat> but it's good to have a building so that we're not meeting in the cold. But the building is not the church. You are. 
You're the church. So we've been uh, talking about family forward. That was a term that Vic put on it. And I want to talk about the family of God from my perspective a little bit this morning, how I view things. And uh, I've got a little video clip, and we'll just start with that. There's a show on TV that my wife and I like called Bull. Anybody like Bull? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I took a clip out of that. We want people from, what am I looking for? People from close, happy families who never dream of hurting loved one. No, it's quite the opposite. We want people from complicated, dysfunctional families. The more difficult their own life, the better. People who know that just because you want to kill a family member doesn't mean that you actually would kill them. So, who here spent the holidays with their family? Wow. So, you spent the holidays with your family and lived to tell about it. Yes, I did. And yes, I did. Okay, all right, all right. So, how was it? Fantastic. My husband, kids, and I rent a cabin every year with my two sisters and their families. It's not fancy, but we always have a great time. So, no fighting? No raised voices? Of course not. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Either that or there's a whole lot of drinking going on. Your Honor, <clears throat> we'd like to uh, thank and excuse this juror. And what about you, sir? Did you spend the holidays with your family? Afraid so. I take it it wasn't fantastic. It was three days of listening to my brother humble brag about his big job and his hot girlfriend. And wanting to shove fruitcake down my gluten-free, macrobiotic stepmom's throat. All of that while dogs barked, kids screamed, and the worst music you ever heard played nonstop. Mm. My condolences. You ever think about just skipping it? Not going? You mean not show up for Christmas with my family? Sure. People do it. Not me. I mean, my family drives me nuts, but they're my family. Your Honor, the defense finds this juror acceptable. After listening to Vic's message last week, then my wife and I watched this, and that stood out to me. My family is my family. Our family is our family. The family of God is the family of God. And it's made up of all kinds of people with all kinds of different background and cultures. And, and they bring with them those things. The good, the bad, the ugly, the, the, the issues, you know. <clears throat> and I think that's a wonderful thing. However, I think there's been a, it's been problematic with the church over the years to try to sanitize yeah. ourselves, to have such a sterile environment that it does not invite uh, people who have issues, people who have uh, problems, people who see 
like, well, I, I, I've got this thing in my life, I have to take care of it before I can be accepted in the beloved. In marriages, it's similar. You know, we all come from a family life we grew up in, and to us, that was our world, and so it was very much what we thought everybody's family was like. And then you meet somebody, most, most often you meet somebody, you get married, and they did the same thing, and now you've got conflict. Because you've got two different family cultures, and your dysfunction and their dysfunction kind of collide. In like, what do they call those things where they cause atoms to collide? Accelerator. Marriage is an accelerator. You know, church should be an accelerator where these things collide and we don't reject and we don't uh, uh, look down, but church should be a place where those things are built up and we come together and we're, we're healed, we're normalized in a whole different culture, which is the culture of Jesus and not the culture of the, of the world. Uh, my own example was I thought, you know, my life experiences, my family was the most normal family you could ever ask for. However, when I look back, I remember distinctly saying in my heart at times saying, I will never do that. I won't be like that. I won't do those things. But anyway, even, even just culture from East Coast to West Coast. I'm from Southern California where I spent most of my life. My wife's from the East Coast where she spent most of her life. We come together and I thought she would have the same sense of humor I have and she doesn't. In fact, she's still praying for me that my sense of humor will recover one day. But what seemed normal sometimes is not normal and it collides with someone else. Well, the church family's just like that. Yeah. And that's the way we were created to be, just like that. So that out of that, and through the principles I'm gonna speak about and through the Word of God this morning, you find that those things eventually uh, become godly right. and become taking on His nature. But it requires the church involvement in your life meaning brothers and sisters in your life, for that to really take place. But the church has been problematic in that we have sanitized that. We have a little bit of a, a moment uh, during the week, and that's it. And you come together, you put on your Sunday best. Look at us. We've all put on our Sunday best. When I was young, um, Sunday best was a big deal. I mean, my mom dressed us, you know. I remember very young going to the Nazarene church because that's where my grandma went. And so when we went with grandma, we went to the Nazarene church. And I remember we all dressed up for it. She made sure. And I remember getting spit on a Kleenex occasionally and then my face wiped. I hated that. Hated it. I'm like, there was nothing there, mom. Quit it. You just want to put some spit on me. Yeah. Um, 
And then we'd leave church after this, and I remember distinctly, as I was thinking about this message, I remember distinctly comments being made about the pastor's daughter. She had nylons with a, 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 a nylon thing up the back where they, you know, a seam, thank you. They had seams. They weren't seamless in those days, apparently. I don't know. All I remember is, and, and the, the way it was said, it was like, why would she do that? You know? And so I saw this thing happening early on where, number one, we're supposed to be the family of God. Number two, we find something to divide ourselves over immediately. <clears throat> Navigating through these cultural um, surprises and differences, you know, we, we usually find a, a new normal. A couple gets married, they find a new normal. Each church finds a new normal, you know, as you produce a different culture. Um, and you pass that on to your children. In Christ, there's a lot of things that we don't want to pass on to our children. The things that I remember growing up saying, I will not do that. I won't be like that. I found that, guess what? I caught myself right in the middle of doing that to my children. The difference was I could immediately recognize that because I was being made into the image of Christ because of my surrounding brothers and sisters surrounding me all the time and encouraging me and telling me, you know, what a mighty man of God I am, um, whereas I didn't feel like a mighty man of God, you know. And uh, I was able to begin to break that pattern so that my children didn't carry on certain generational patterns. You see, we can carry generational things that were given to us to the next generation. God's plan for your life is to break those generational things that don't bring glory to Him so that the next generation doesn't have to suffer in the same way. But let's talk a little bit about being dysfunctional. How many here is not dysfunctional? The reason I put it that way is I didn't want to see any hands go up, and I knew they wouldn't, you know, except for mine. In fact, there's a great song called We're Dysfunctional. It's a great song. I love it. Uh, it's by a Christian uh, comedian, musician, and he sings a song called We're Dysfunctional. And uh, it, it gives you pause to, to think about. God seems to specifically enjoy drawing dysfunctional people out of the world to himself and to one another. Uh, in fact, if you think about Jacob or Israel having 12 sons, it doesn't even mention how many daughters, but 12 sons, that alone seems a little dysfunctional. And then when you look at their lives, those sons, they were extremely dysfunctional. So much so that they sold their one brother into slavery after, first of all, thinking about maybe we could just kill him. Yeah. 
but there's an easier way and we can make a few shekels out of the deal. We'll just sell him into slavery. However, in that story, God's plan was working. You see, God's plan has been working in your life long before you recognized it. Amen. Long before you recognized it. <clears throat> I want to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to talk a little bit about what the family of God looks like when we all come together. Why we should be doing the things that we're doing. I, I want to go back and revisit that place of sterilizing our, our meetings, sterilizing the, 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 the church gathering so that we don't expose ourselves. We're not exposed. We're not undone, you know. We have taken much of our, our church time together throughout this land I've seen it a little differently in other countries. Uh, unfortunately, I also see, and Bob could speak to this a lot more, a lot of times in other countries where the church is really uh, growing and activating, a part of their focus is we want to be like the American church. Look how great it is. They, I mean, they got the smoke machines. They got the right lighting. They got the right, you know, uh, the right sound, they've, they've got it all together. Having it all together is not always having it all together. Yeah. <clears throat> In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, We had a young fella here uh, for Carnivore Night, uh, Ryan. He was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, he took us on a journey that we didn't go very far, but we went a long distance to get there, yeah. all over the place. And he would just throw out these little zingers in the middle of it that God had been speaking to him about, and God had... Uh, done in his life, and, and uh, he had no time frame. That I noticed right away. About 10 o'clock, I was like. Amen. <laughs> he had a tremendous point that stood out to me when he was talking about shame. And how he allowed his life choices and the shame that came with that to keep him in hiding. But Christ had sent him to a place where uh, instead of the shame, it's just this is who I am. I'm going to reveal it to you. And God's going to change what he wants to change about that. I mean, it really stood out to me how he dealt with the power that shame has over a person's. Is there shame? Absolutely. We're not, we're not of the um, modern philosophy that there is no shame. There is shame. 
You know, when you do something wrong, your conscience usually should smite you unless your conscience, the Bible says, is seared as with a hot iron. There's nothing, no feeling left. But often we let that shame keep us in the shadows instead of just saying, I'm ashamed of what I've done. But this, this is where I'm at, and I'm here, and I'm, I'm with you guys, and I'm throwing in with you. You see, David, King David, when he was moving and hiding from Saul, and God was turning him into the king over Israel, he gathered together, God gathered around him the rebels, the outcasts, the ruffians, the, the ones that stole the hubcaps off your car when you were at the stoplight. He took those guys. He took the guys who were like, hey, you want to buy a watch? You know, <laughs> he took those guys and he turned them into a mighty force that changed the purpose and the plan of God, uh, God that fulfilled plans God for Israel. <clears throat> Uh, when you all come together, just like at a family meal, take Christmas, for example, or Easter, yeah. you come together as a family, everybody brings a little something. But in that, you've got, you've got your cousins, your aunts, your uncles. I remember growing up, we had a huge uh, family on my dad's side and on my mom's side both. And we... Uh, we never seemed to figure out how to get those all together, so we would gather on my mom's side, then we'd gather on my dad's side. And I remember you know, everybody would bring something. And I remember we had this one aunt. I just love this aunt. She was the sweetest person, but she always brought these uh, pumpkin pies to the Thanksgiving thing, always. And because we were taught if we said certain words, we'd get our mouth washed out with soap. We never called them what we really thought. We called them pasture pies. They were green pumpkin. It was green. And it looked like a fresh cow patty. And uh, so I, I, I learned what you actually called it because I did get my mouth washed out with soap for saying what it looked like. Um, and uh, we decided we'd just call them pasture pies. But uh, it didn't matter. Every year, the family came together. Every year, there were these dynamics at work. Yeah. It didn't matter. They were family. It was family. It didn't matter. It's family. That's how the body of Christ could, should be. That's how the church should be. Yet we have sterilized it to where... It's not a culture that allows that. First verse, chapter 12. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still unbelievers, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. So I'm likening this to when we come together like a, a Thanksgiving meal or like a Christmas dinner or an Easter gathering where you all bring something. 
This is what he's saying to you. You, you all have something and you bring it. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other, so we can help each other. There's a reason there are people who have been gifted vocally to lead our worship. Because you don't want me to do it. But a lot of people won't sing out because they don't think they have a good voice. And I heard it said by uh, one of my pastors early on, if you don't like the voice God gave you, you just sing loudly to him. If he's not happy with it, he'll change it. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. I want us to just pause here. I want every one of you to say, I've been given a spiritual gift. I'm going to have us do that again. I want us all to say it now. I have been given a spiritual gift for you. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Wow, wise advice is a spiritual gift. I love hearing wise advice. It's not always easy to take. My wife is my best advisor. I have learned when I take her advice, things go well with me. When I don't take her advice... It does not go well because she has the spiritual gift of giving wise advice. Now, one thing about that is my wife is also one of those who is not a I told you so kind of person. She's like, I told you once, I told you twice, next time I'm going to kill you. No, she's like, hey, if you don't want to take my advice... It's, it's you in the mud, you know, and then she's willing to reach into the mud and get me out when I didn't take her advice. So you've been given uh, a gift if you are able to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge, inside uh, word of knowledge that a person can speak and you don't know, somebody out there go, that's me. Wow, how did they know that? By the Spirit. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. I'm going to tell you my cigar story real briefly. Um, I've been real ill, Bob Bergeron started bugging me. He was after me to get healed. He says, uh, uh, this guy's in Anchorage speaking. Trying to think of the guy's name. Rick Joyner. Rick Joyner is in speaking. He's a prophet of God. 
uh, I've been driving around, driving him around. And I've told him you need prayer. Come on, he's going to pray for you. I told Bob, give me the CD. I'll just stay at home, lay in bed, and listen to it. He said, no, you need to come in. So I come in after the meeting, sit down with the guy. His gift is not healing, but we can all pray for one another, and we might all be healed because of faith, because of God says, lay hands on your sick, they, the sick, they will recover. But anyway, in this case, he says, uh, he shoes people away. He gets ready to pray for me, and he says, this is kind of weird. He says, I don't know how you'll take this, but I believe it's from the Lord. If you'll go smoke a cigar, you'll be healed. And he says, now, I don't know, you might have a problem with that. I simply said, can I include a fishing trip with it? <laughs> so, <clears throat> I didn't do anything about that. I wasn't against the word. I was like, well, you know, Amen. God works in mysterious ways. The Dutch masters, they believed in smoking cigars. They were a Christian sect. But anyway, <clears throat> didn't do anything for a while. My wife's like, did you smoke that cigar yet? I'm like, no, I'm still sick. Friends started saying, did you smoke that cigar yet? Well, independently of each other, they, I just said, I'm not going to go smoke some shrewd white owl. If God wants me to smoke a cigar, I'm going to smoke a good one. Well, independently, a group of people, several different people, my wife included, bought these cigars and gave them to me. I mean, high-end stuff. And now they're like waiting. Did you smoke that cigar? No, I didn't smoke it yet. I'm waiting for the right time. I was busy. Young man walks into our church, had been a friend of our son's. He was a pastor's kid. He just moved back to the area. He stops in. He says, hey, Mark, I just want you to know I'm back in the area. And then he, all, all, the, all the brothers that, that are gathered there go, ooh, fresh meat. You know, we'll get him in church. And he, he must have felt that, sensed it. You know, the hair on the back of his neck went up. He's like, uh, don't anybody get any ideas. This is his words. Don't anybody get any ideas. I have not been in church in six years, and I will not be coming to church. So don't even try. I'm like, yeah, okay. Doing a few things, and all of a sudden I go, hey, what are you doing this afternoon? He said, well, nothing. I said, let's jump in my boat, hit the river. I've got some cigars. And he, you could just see his brain do a, a, a complete twist, like, uh, how does that compute? That does not compute. So anyway, he goes, yeah. So we jump in my boat, we hit the river, we have a cigar. He got sick. I got healed. <laughs> but the collateral, there's collateral damage. There's also collateral good things. When good things happen in your life, the collateral good thing was he became, he, he was in church every week from then on out, married, 
doing fantastic, serving the Lord, all that good stuff. So, collateral healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each, per each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are millennials, some are hippies, some are Republicans, some are not, uh, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. We all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Now, I'm going to encourage you to go on and read through this this week. Yeah. Read down about that. One of my favorite all-time movies is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It comes on TV, guess what, around every Christmas. And I, I like to watch it because my favorite part of all that is the weird aunt and uncle, the guy who uh, <laughs> lights, the, lights the Christmas tree on fire or something, and Cousin Eddie. How many remember Cousin Eddie? How many have seen the show? Anyway, Cousin Eddie pulls up in his motorhome, you know, and this thing is a dog of a motorhome, but he is so proud of it. He is just like, so, man, you know, he is so proud of this thing, you know. Well, who saves the day? Cousin Eddie literally saves the day for their Christmas. Now, in a church setting, Cousin Eddie walks in, we'd all be like, move to the other side of the room. That should not be. Cousin Eddie's there for a reason. The weird uncle or grandfather, I'm not sure what he was, I can't remember, with the bad toupee, he's there for a reason. It makes the show good. It makes for a great story. You're for a reason to make the church have a great story, have a great plot line. You're there for a reason, and you have a part. And you need to seek the Lord about how that part is and how you can contribute that. It's difficult 
in just a, a one-hour or two-hour setting on a Sunday morning to know how to fit all those parts together? What if everybody had something they wanted to say? Well, I'll tell you what, it's nice being a small church in that sense. If everybody had something to say, then you wouldn't have to listen to me for a full hour because everybody would come up and have a different part, and then we'd make room for that. It's, it's nice. It's, it's not capable in all settings. It's not expedient in all settings. Um, and uh, we have seen it here where we've had those kind of times and then not have those kind of times. But there are people sitting next to you that you can build up by the gift that's in your life. Maybe just a word of encouragement. Last week, we heard a lot about how the body is to encourage one another. There's a story in the Bible about a man named Job. Job went through a tough time. Job was upright in all of his ways, and he was so concerned about his own children that he was making sacrifices and offerings to the Lord on their behalf in case they messed up. Well, the story of Job is that his life crumbled. He lost all of his possessions. He lost all of his wealth. He lost his children. He got, his own body got full of boils and sores. He was so miserable that his wife decided to encourage him. His wife encouraged him by looking at him and saying, why don't you just curse God and die? Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. I'm sure Job at that moment maybe thought, why didn't you take her first? <laughs> and then his friends came to comfort him. His friends came to comfort him by saying, well, it's obvious something you've done. It's something you really messed up with. What did you go, where did it go wrong with you? You thought you were so righteous, but look at you. You know, the church does that a lot today. You know, we're sitting here next to somebody, and they're looking okay, and then all of a sudden their life falls apart. And we all kind of move away and go, well, it's obvious something you've done. You messed up somewhere. In this story with Job, the finish is this. God restored all of these things to Job. He blessed him, restored all this stuff to his life, and then he said this to him. Now lay hands on your friends that weren't good friends and bless them. Pray for them. I'll finish with this story. There was another man in the Bible. His name was Gideon. Gideon was hiding in a field in a threshing place where he was trying to get just enough grain to feed his family for the day. God sent an angel to him. Some say it was the Lord Jesus himself that came to him and addressed him this way. He didn't look at him as, Job, you worm. <laughs> look at what a coward you are. Why are you hiding here? He addressed him this way. He said, Gideon, who, what did I say? Job, Gideon, Job, they both had troubles. Um, my wife gives me wise counsel. Gideon, 
Thou mighty man of valor. That's how he addressed him. Why? Because God wants to put a picture in you and in your mind of how he sees you. He wants you to live by faith. And faith comes through the Word of God speaking to us and putting a different picture of who you are. It puts a God picture in your life of who you are. Faith pictures about who you are. So this, this morning as you leave here, the picture that I want you to have in your mind is, first of all, you are a mighty man of God or you are a virtuous woman of God, you are a child of His, He loves you, and He has given you a gift. And then with that picture say, I want you, Lord, to use me in my gift. I want to be used by you, Lord. I want my gift to build up the others in my family. I want to bring it like a shining dish that, we, that you bring to the potluck. You know, I'm going to pick on Sid because he said, right, right. Sid makes brisket. I mean, it's just fantastic. And see, and the last one wasn't so good. And he keeps saying, oh, I got to redeem that. That last one is not so good. It's just like that with your gift. You have a gift, it doesn't always function the best. You might miss it. You might try to encourage somebody and find out, that oh, it didn't work out so well. Uh, I remember people trying to encourage me. This one lady in particular came up and says to me, she says, I'm really praying for you. I have the gift of praying. I'm really praying for you. And I thought, oh, that's great, thank you. And then she says, because you really need it. <laughs> Start coming to church with expectation that the person sitting next to you, God has gifted them, and you might benefit from that, just like at a great share-a-dish. You, you know, they brought a potato salad, and you're going to try it out. They brought a, 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 a brisket. They brought something, and you're going to get a chance to try that out. That's how our gatherings, that's what God's trying to paint in here, that He hasn't called you to be alone. He says he takes the solitary and he puts them in a family. He takes the outcast and he brings them right into the middle, into the midst. He takes the rejected of this world and he puts them in a family. You see, we're going to have revival. God's moving in the earth. And we pray for revival, but when that person shows up that just got saved and has all the earmarkings and doesn't smell so good, doesn't look so good, and doesn't talk so good, uh, sits next to you and you take your family and you move away from them there. Well, you know what? Instead of judging that family as having a difficult time because their children are in the midst of that, you sit next to them and make up the difference. You make up the difference. 
See, there shouldn't be a judgment on either side of those things. Sometimes it's difficult if I'm sitting with my children and somebody comes in and they're just, you know, they're, they're coming off of heroin or meth. You're like, I don't want my kids near that. So you move away. Those of us who don't have our children with us or aren't in that situation, then we go down and we sit between the two and we, we fill the breach. We all have a gift. We all have a part to play. I'm not judging the ones that can't, are not there yet that, you know, oh, I'm going to kind of protect my kids. That's a right thing. But there are those here that are gifted to fill that gap, that can do that, that can sit in and fill in. Is that making sense to you all? Yeah. All right, let's see how I end this thing. Well, apparently not with that. That's notes from some time long ago. <laughs> Building one another up. I, I gave you the example of Gideon. God putting a picture in Gideon's mind. Thou man of valor. He even questioned it. Who, me? I'm the least of my father's household who's the least of all the households of Israel, and I'm hiding right now. And you call me a man of valor? God said, thou mighty man of valor. And then he used him mightily out of that one seed of picture that he put in him. You might be the one to put a picture in somebody's heart. You might be the one to put a word in somebody's life that changes them. Amen? Amen? I think today's service just filled in so good with our sister Carol talking about one man's kindness, what it did to her. You know, I think, I think um, kindness and love is something... Now, love is not a gift that, no, that only a few have. Every one of us has that. You just release it on somebody. Amen. Let's all stand. Do we have a song to close with? Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.